0: worship, just incredible. It's so good. And um, just before I get into it and introduce myself, I just felt to share something this morning in worship. Um, as I'm sorry, I didn't grab your name this morning. It's Bethany, and what was your name during communion? Luke? Well, so, you know, when he was just sharing his story around communion this morning, I just felt God just speak something into my spirit um, over you, Luke, but over this church. And that is that I believe that this church and everything that this church is called to do in this community is actually going to come through the power of testimony. And, um, you know, we we do a lot of things uh, in church life to try and make it look really sharp and really cool, and we try and get, you know, the coolest clothes and the best stages and stuff like that, and that's all great. But in a world that's hurting and broken and questioning the Word of God and questioning if God's even real, the one thing that people can't argue with is a great testimony. And, um, yeah, and so this morning, I just felt that on behalf of this church is that God is going to um, cause some amazing testimonies to come forth out of this church And um, so I just think get ready for that to happen, get ready for people to come in that need some healing, um, that need some restoration. And, um, you know, sometimes we get prophetic words and they're encouraging, um, but then uh, sometimes the implications of it aren't always the best things. I remember a couple of years ago, um, a prophet came to our church and spoke over myself and and my wife and said, oh, I see God putting oil all over your hands to to, um, help wounded people and you're going to, you know, help heal people and that sort of stuff. And I thought, amen, that's encouraging. And then um, something really annoying happened for the next two years of our lives, a lot of hurting and broken and confused people came into our lives that we had to deal with. And um, so it's been good every time we get, you know, an issue comes up, I just go, thank God for that word, you know, oil on my hands. Um, But I just think of this church, get ready for some interesting people to come in, Um, get ready for some crazy people to come in. But I just felt, um, specifically as well, there's going to be someone or or a group of people that are going to come in that are either very influential in Port Lincoln or at least related to or attached to someone very influential. And I just believe that there's going to be a testimony come forth from this church that's going to be spoken to the whole town. There's going to be a story that's just irrefutable, undeniable. And um, when that happens, there's just going to be a lot of interest in the church. There's going to be a lot of people asking questions and wanting to come in and wanting to experience what's happening in here. So that's good, amen? Amen. Amen. Well, it's um, a great privilege to be here this morning. Um, If you don't know me, which is everyone here. um, (laughs) My name is David. I'm the youth pastor at Influences Church. Um, at our Paradise Campus, and um, this is actually my first time to Port Lincoln, it's been great. I went around the town with Josh yesterday and uh, saw all the sights, which was great, and then um, got to spend some time with the youth leaders last night and had some pizza and we played some games, which was fun. And um, yeah, I just wanted to thank the Santo Stefano family, Pastor Robin Pauline, for having me and um, showing great hospitality to me. It's, it's a great privilege to be here, and um, you know, for me, being able to preach, be able to share the Word is, is, is a um, it's kind of a scary thing, and it's not something I always thought I would do. Uh, When I was in school, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life, and I felt God tell me to do Bible college for a year, and um, so I was obedient to that and did Bible college, and during Bible college, I got my first uh, chance to speak at a church, and so um, during Bible college, we would do these things called ministry trips, and basically what they were is churches that were brave enough would put their hands up and say that they would like to have a team of college students come and take over their service, And um, so I went with a team of four people, and we drove seven hours away from Adelaide um, into sort of the mainland, into the outback, and we drove seven hours to do a church service. And my job for that morning was communion. And um, so I was very nervous about it, was very excited, had prepared it, probably about three or four minutes long, but I had probably practiced that thing for three or four hours. And um, so I remember getting there, we drove up on the Saturday. I remember getting up Sunday morning, being extremely nervous, getting to church. And, you know, we're in the first song of church, and I was standing on the front row, and... um, We were probably halfway through the first song and I got a tap on the shoulder and I thought, great, someone's going to give me a word of encouragement. This is off to a great start. And um, this older person in the church said to me, can you please move to the back because you're so tall and so big, no one can see the screen. (laughs) And um, so I felt very encouraged by that and um, sort of went to the back of the room and hung my head for a little while. But then um, uh, the service went on and and the pastor came up and um, let's just call him Pastor Keith because that was his name. And um, Pastor Keith goes, all right, we're going to invite David up this morning. And so I get up there, and I'm shaking, and I'm nervous, and I say, Hi, my name's David. I'm from Adelaide. I'm here to share around communion this morning. And um, as I said that, uh, someone from the church called out from the back row, and they said, Oh, Pastor Keith, you didn't tell me there was communion this morning. I didn't bring the bread and the juice. And so in that moment, I realized that I had just driven seven hours there, was about to drive seven hours back to do a four-minute fake communion. And um, let me tell you, it was the greatest fake bread and fake juice that people have ever had. LAUGHTER And so I'm glad that you guys remember communion this morning. We're off to a great start. Um, So it's cool. Um, So I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, A little bit more about me. So I'm married um, to my beautiful wife, Jess. She's at home with our zero children uh, this morning. Praise God. And um, I'm sure we'll have kids sometime soon. Probably not as quick as my mum would like, but, you know, um, life's good. And so, um, yeah, as a pastor and staff, uh, it's great to be able to lead the youth and be involved with young people. There's never really a dull moment. Um, but a little bit more about my story is that uh, I was born, uh, obviously, into a family with two great parents, and um, my dad at the time was completely unsaved, and my mum was religious but not really in an active relationship with God. And um, when I was three years old, my dad got invited to church at Paradise and just heard the message of Jesus just presented in a way that he had never heard before. And um, on that night, he tells the story that he was just radically saved, just crying, both hands raised. And from that moment on, our family has been every single week at Paradise just serving God. and. And loving Jesus, and um, you know, so it's amazing, and so my, my dad's side of the family is, is full of, uh, it's like a, got a long history of alcohol addiction, abuse, um, depression, and suicide. You know, even uh, a couple of months ago, one of my cousins, I don't know very well, but one of my cousins ended his own life, and, and we've just had, you know, many suicides in our family, and depression, and addiction, and it's amazing to see what one decision from one man could do to a family, because, you know, the fact that I stand here this morning is simply because someone invited my dad once to church. And um, I want to encourage you this morning, you know, like, my family, that's sort of our history, but now we have a new history, which is in Jesus, you know, I'm the youth pastor at our Paradise Campus, my uh, younger brother is the youth pastor at our City Campus, my youngest brother is another youth leader at our church, just doing amazing things, my parents are Connect Group leaders, just connected into the life of the church, and I just think, man, what would my family be like, what would my life be like, if one person didn't invite my dad just to church at one time? And um, so I just want to encourage you, as we come up to Easter, don't be, you know, don't be intimidated or, or, or don't hesitate to invite someone to church. You don't know what could happen to the kids of those people who aren't born yet or the kids of those persons who are born yet. You never know what can happen by just one invite. And so I stand here this morning just by the grace of God and um, am excited to get into the word. And so this morning I want to share a, a message um, that I've titled Move for the Miracle. So if you're taking notes this morning, that's the title. It's called Move for the Miracle. But this morning, Basically, I want to share around a couple of verses that we would um, probably all know if we've been in church for a little while, Um, but what I want to do is share those verses, but then share the story surrounding those verses, because I believe that when we understand the context of these verses and understand what God was doing in the entirety of the story, there's things that he wants to speak uh, to us through that, and there's some keys, and I think just some prophetic things that God wants to declare over your life and uh, over the church's life this morning, and so we're going to get straight into it. So these are the two verses that you've probably heard before. It's from Exodus 14, uh, verse 13 to 14, and it says this. But Moses told the people, do not be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. And so if you've been in church for a while, you would know that these are the famous words of Moses before the Israelites traveled through the Red Sea. You would know that these are verses that we've turned into bumper stickers. We've turned them into fridge magnets. We've made them our wallpapers. We've made them into Facebook statuses. This is a verse that we know and we've quoted. But this morning, I just want to unpack it a little bit and um, go a little bit deeper. Is that cool? Awesome. All right, let's pray. God, I just thank you this morning that you're here. God, I just thank you for your amazing presence in worship and in communion. And God, I just pray this morning that you would speak to us, Lord God, that it wouldn't be my words. It wouldn't just be nice ideas, but God, it would be you speaking, Lord God, to us. Holy Spirit, we just give this service completely to you. God, we just pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen. amen. Well, um, this morning, at risk of, of losing half of you guys, or probably most of you guys, I've got to admit um, something this morning that's a little bit embarrassing, um, and that is that although I have a little bit of facial hair, I'm actually not much of a man's man. Um, last night, I stayed in the guest room uh, at the house, and I had, a, I had a boar and two billy goats watching me as I slept. And... Um, it just reminded, I'm, I probably got the animals wrong, they're probably something different, but it just reminded me of the fact that I'm not much of a man's man, you know, I've, I've never been hunting, I've, I've never shot a gun, uh, in fact, I've, I've never actually caught a fish, well, not one that was big enough to keep anyway, like I think I caught a little one one time. One time I went fishing with my friend and his six-year-old brother, his six-year-old brother caught eight fish and I caught zero, and um, you know, I, I don't really do those manly things, I, I don't really know how to fix a car, um, to be honest, I probably wouldn't back myself to change a tyre. Uh, I, I'm not great at driving manual. There's, there's a lot of manly things that I should be able to do. I'm just not great at. I've, I've, I've never been full driving. I just, I, I, I'm not much of a man's man. You know, I'm, I'm from the city. I wear skinny jeans. I sip lattes. Um, <laughs> I'm not a vegan yet, but I guess that's the next step for me. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, I'm not much of a man's man. But there's one thing God has blessed me with, a bit of manliness that I feel that God has been gracious enough to give me. And that is is that God has given me a great sense of direction. And um, so I I like to know where I'm going. I like to know where I am. I like to know the best way to get places. You know, when I'm driving in my car, I like to try and take shortcuts. I like to try and work out where it's going to be busy, where it... I I like knowing directions, and it really frustrates me when people don't know directions. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me how you can be bad with directions, because for me, it just makes sense. It's just logical. And so it's great for me having a great sense of direction when I'm driving and when I'm in control... But that also makes me probably the most frustrating person to travel with or the most frustrating person to have in the passenger seat because I can't handle it when people go the long way. And um, so I, I don't know about you, but if I'm ever in a car, um, I'm, I'm usually not just like on my phone or, or just not paying attention. I'm usually looking at everything. I'm very aware of where we're going. And whenever I'm a passenger in a car and someone starts going the long way, I start to get quite frustrated quite quickly. I, I, start, to, it's like I start to ask Questions and, and start to get a little bit frustrated. You know, like I was saying to my friend, so are we, are we still going to the city? Is that our, our plan today? It, it is. Okay, great. Are, are, we, are we picking up anyone on the way? We're not? Okay. Interesting. Are you feeling okay today? You taking anything? No? Okay, great. And you've. All right, all right. And so I start to get a little bit frustrated. And so this morning, as we look at this story with, with, with Moses and, and the Israelites, it reminds me of, it makes me feel a little bit sorry for Moses because he was doing more than just taking a few mates down to the shops. He was actually leading a nation of over a million people from slavery towards the promised land. And what's hard for Moses is that God actually didn't tell him to go the short way. God actually tells him to go the long way. This is what it says in Exodus 13 verse 17 to 18. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road ...that runs through the Philistine territory, I would have been very frustrated. Even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness and towards the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army, ready for battle. See, I can imagine if I was one of the Israelites, I would start to feel a little bit frustrated. If I was one of the Israelites, I would start to ask those questions of Moses... I would start to murmur a little bit. I'd probably start to grumble. I would probably start to ask my friends, hey, you know we're going the long way, right? You know that Moses is leading us. You know We could have taken the main road, but he's taking off, off, off track. And this is actually, we're going the long way. I would have felt quite frustrated. And I was thinking about this this morning that... Um, you know, in life, God often will give us a promise, like He gives us the promised land, whether it's a, a vision or a prophecy or, or something we're holding on to or, or, or just something that we've got out of Scripture that we're believing for our own lives, and we have that promise and that's great, and that, the promise always makes sense. The promise is always great, but often the path that God leads us on doesn't make much sense. Often the path that God takes us on isn't the shortest way, and it can be quite, quite easy to get frustrated it can be quite easy to get confused because we don't usually have issues with the promise as as Christians, but sometimes we can get quite frustrated and quite confused with the path that God is actually taking us on. And and so, you know, God takes us that way, and, and for the Israelites, He took them on a path that didn't make sense. But as we read this verse, I've come to understand in my own life and just through Scripture that whenever God takes us the long way, He's not doing it to tease us, He's not doing it because He likes to mess with us. He's doing it because He's either trying to protect us from something or He's trying to prepare us for what is to come. And if I've learned something in, in my short time on earth is that God isn't interested in how quick you get to your promise, but He's interested in how long you'll stay in your promise. And so this morning, if, if that's you, if you're feeling a little bit frustrated of, of God, I thought you would, have, you would have moved me to here by now, or God, I, I thought I would have had this by now in my life, or I'm a bit confused with the path I'm on, I just want to encourage you that God is doing things inside of you that is actually going to keep you in that promised land. God's God's protecting you from things. He's working inside of you so that you can actually remain in that promised land. You know, God wants to take us on a particular path so that we can prevail in the promise. And so, you know, even though this morning God can take us through places and through seasons and through experiences that we didn't expect to go through, we can be sure that God is either protecting us or preparing us for what is to come. And so back to Moses, right? We, we see that they're walking from Egypt. They're walking from slavery. And they're moving in a roundabout way to the promised land. So you can imagine that the people would be a little bit frustrated. I mean, they would be glad to be away from slavery, but still a little bit confused. There'd be people like me who were trying to, you know, take charge and, you know, trying to tell, tell Moses that I know better. And there's actually a shorter way to get there. But then we see God actually starts to show off his sense of humor. And so what God does is instead of telling them to go the long way, He gives Moses another instruction and actually tells him to go the wrong way. And this is what it says in in Exodus 14, starting in verse 1. And it says, Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pi-Harioth between Migdol and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal-Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, so the Israelites camped there as they were told. So you know I find this interesting because the Israelites were originally told to go the long way. They were told to go the roundabout way. But now all of a sudden if you if you read about these places in the Bible and study where they are, you'll see the the Israelites literally had to turn their back on the promise. They literally had to turn their back on the promised land. They had to walk away from the thing that God had promised to them, the thing that they were believing for. They actually had to go in the opposite direction. And, you know, sometimes in life it's frustrating when we feel like we're going the long way somewhere. But when it gets unbearable is when we're going in the wrong direction. You know, when I'm going the long way somewhere with a friend, I'll start to ask questions. When they start going the wrong way, I'll start giving demands. You know, I'll be a bit friendly about it, a bit jovial about it, a joke about it when we're going the long way. But the moment we start going in the wrong direction, I'll get quite direct about what I think. I'll be quite vocal about the fact that you are going in the wrong direction. Like that road goes to the city. We are heading that way. We're going in the wrong direction. But that's what God told Moses to do. He told Moses to lead a million people plus in the wrong direction. They had to turn their back on the promised land. And you know, I think sometimes the hardest times in life and the most confusing times in the life of a Christian is when we have the promises and the things that we're believing for, but in the natural, we actually feel like we're moving further and further away from the things that God has promised us. You know, God promises to bless our family and then all of a sudden we're made redundant and it's like, God, this, that's not your promise. What, what, what's going on? We, God promises us health and, and prosperity in our family and then all of a sudden we're diagnosed with something and it feels like we're walking and having to turn our back on the promise. And sometimes it's so hard to turn our back on the promise. Sometimes it's so hard when we feel like that promise is getting further and further away. And you know, as I was studying this and reading this, um, this scripture, I was, started to ask questions of it. And I said, God, how did Moses make it through? How did the Israelites make it through? And they literally had to turn their backs on the promise. How did they make it through? How, they, how, how are we meant to get through when we feel like we're moving away from our own promised land? How are we meant to make it through when we're feeling discouraged and frustrated? How are we meant to make it through when we feel like God maybe has, maybe the promise wasn't real in the first place, or maybe he doesn't love us just as much, or we're confused about it. How do we make it through? And as I read the scripture, I I came to realize that the, the Israelites were actually not just led by the promise, but they were led by his presence. You know, in the Old Testament, it tells us that they were led by a cloud in the day and a fire by night. And so, even though these Israelites were moving in the wrong direction, they still knew that God was with them. Even though they were moving in the wrong direction according to their own logic, the presence of God was still with them. You know, in the Old Testament, it talks about the cloud and the fire, but right now, it's actually the Holy Spirit. You know, this morning, you might feel like you're far away from the promise, you might feel confused or discouraged. But you know what? God still has his Holy Spirit right here for you, right here in this room, right here. He wants to be with you because you can be away from your promise, but still have peace, still have joy, still have confidence in the character of God. You can still trust in his goodness. You can still believe and have faith. When you have the Holy Spirit, you can be moving in the complete opposite direction, but still have a smile on your face knowing that God's with you. And I want to encourage you this morning. We need to be people who are led by his presence, not just by the promise. We need to be led every day by His presence. You know, the Word of God says that He's a light into our, a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. You know, a lot of us we don't have an issue with the light into our path because we see the great future, we see the promises of God. But you know, He also gives us a lamp into our path, where He shows us every day the steps that He wants us to take. And sometimes we only want to focus on that promise. But then we get confused when it, the lamp shows us to go a long way or a different way or, or we start to trip up or whatever. But God wants us to be in that active daily relationship with the Holy Spirit where we're being led by that cloud, led by that fire, led by that, that voice, that inner, inner voice that's telling us what to do and where to go. Because God will always lead us on the right path, but it's not always the quickest one. And so I want to encourage you this morning, we need to be people who are led by the presence and not just by the promise. You know, because when we're led just by the promise, when I'm, I'm led by my own plan, the moment that it isn't logical, I start to get upset. The moment that it, it doesn't make sense, I begin to get confused. And if I'm only led by my promise, then my success or failure in life is dependent on my proximity to that promise. And so, for instance, like, you know, leading a youth ministry, if I have a promise that God's going to fill that room, the week that it's a little bit lower, I feel like I'm further away from God. I feel like I'm further away from, and it's easy to to get into a world of discouragement. It's easy to get into a world of confusion, but when we're led by his presence, we can know that he's still with us. And today, I want to encourage you that our pursuit should always be his presence, because his presence will show us the right path. Awesome. And so, you know, this story continues, and we see that what God actually told them was going to happen in verse 1 to 4, it actually does happen. We see that the Israelites begin to go in the wrong direction towards the Red Sea and Pharaoh does think that they're confused. Pharaoh does think that they don't know where they're going and so Pharaoh and his army decide to chase the Israelites and to the point where they're trapped. In front of them is the sea, on the side is the mountains and behind them is a massive army. And so all of a sudden the Israelites are trapped, they're put under pressure. I could imagine they'd be confused, they would be fearful, they were, they were, their position was being squeezed by the enemy and they didn't know what to do. And so, you know, as I was reading this, I was like, God, of course you did it because you said you were going to do it, but why would you do that? Why, why wouldn't you let, you know, they've, they've had enough pain in their life, you know, they've been through slavery, they've generations of, of abuse, why wouldn't you just let them go to their promised land? Why have they got to face another battle? Why have they got to be put under pressure again? Why would you, well, it, it almost seems like God's playing with them a little bit. It almost seems like God's like, here's, you know, here's the lolly, nope, that's no, not like, you know, God's giving them something, but then sort of taking it away and putting them under pressure. It doesn't really make sense to me, and I was was thinking about it and studying it and just asking God, why would you allow the Israelites to be put under pressure? And this morning, I actually believe there's two reasons, and one of them is this, is that I believe that God didn't want the Israelites just to flee, but he wanted them to conquer. You know, if God had taken them on the fast direction to the promised land, they would have been in the promised land, it would have been great, but for their whole lives, they would have been living with one eye open. They would have been living, looking over their shoulder, just wondering in the back of their minds. I wonder if Pharaoh will come back today. I wonder if he'll come and try and and capture us again. I I wonder if he'll come and I wonder if his army is increased and they're going to come and fight us. I wonder if they're going to try and enslave us again. You know, I'm I'm glad that we're we're kind of away from that abuse, but I I wonder is it really over? Or Or will he come back and will he actually enslave us again? And I believe that God didn't want them to flee because they would have lived a life as fugitives Instead, he wanted them to conquer the, the Egyptians so that when they actually moved and finally got to the promised land, they knew that they were free. Because God doesn't call us to live as fugitives. He actually calls us to live in freedom. God doesn't call us just to be people who flee. He actually calls us to be people who conquer. You know, when I read this story, I think about Jesus. And I think about Jesus being on the cross and when they would mock him and they would say, Jesus, if you're really the son of God, then why don't you come down from the cross? Why don't you save yourself? You know, the truth is Jesus could have done that. It would have been a great miracle. People would have told the story and they would have given thanks to God, but he would have been a fugitive of death. He would have just been someone who escaped death, just like a great magician. But Jesus instead knew that it wasn't his job to flee death, it was his job to conquer death. And so Jesus allowed himself to go through a painful and excruciating experience so that he wouldn't just flee death, but he would conquer death. And I thank God that we have Jesus inside of us. And the fact that he conquered death means that we actually can conquer anything that happens in our lives. The Bible says the same power that uh, rose from the dead lives in us. We can actually have that power inside of us to conquer the situations in our life. And so this morning, I want to encourage you. If you're, whether you're young or old, if you have an issue in your life, maybe it's a, a problem, an addiction, uh, like it might be a mental health thing. But if you have something in your life and it just seems like it keeps on chasing you, you, you get away and you get good and this thing just comes back and it keeps on chasing you. Could I suggest this morning, it's not because you're bad and God's mad, but it's because God doesn't want you to live life as a fugitive. He wants you to live life as a conqueror. And this morning, I believe that we need to take hold of the power of the Holy Spirit and believe that He has actually given us the power to conquer those things in our lives because He doesn't call us to live a life of running away. He calls us to live a life of freedom. And so this morning, I want to encourage you through this story. The only reason why God allows you, or one of the only reasons I believe that God allows you to, be, to feel under pressure and to feel like you're trapped is because God wants you to fight with the power of the Holy Spirit and actually conquer that thing. God doesn't call us to be people who runs away. He calls us to be people who conquer. So that's the first reason I believe that God allowed the uh, Egyptians to chase the Israelites. The second reason is this. is because so- sometimes, I believe, the pressure is actually good for us. Sometimes I believe the pressure is actually good for us. If I was in in a youth service right now, I would tell a few disgusting stories. But because I'm in church, I'll just say this. In life, whatever you put pressure on or whatever you squeeze, whatever's on the inside will be exposed. And so I'll leave it there. But in life, right, when we are squeezed, when our lives are squeezed, when there's pressure put on us, whatever's on the inside is exposed. And so we see this story and we see the Israelites are put under a lot of pressure Their position is being squeezed by the enemy, and what's inside of them actually starts to surface. This is what it says. It says in um, chapter, sorry, verse 10. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up, and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. This is what came out from inside of them. They cried out to, to the Lord, and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. So we see the, the Israelites came under pressure, and we see that they panicked, they prayed, they protested, they made it personal, and they became prideful. And we see all these different responses come out of the Israelites. And, and this morning, I want to ask you the question, as I ask myself, is, is that what comes, out, what comes out of you when you're put under pressure? What comes out out of your life when you're a little bit squeezed? When the situations and the things in life begin to put a bit of pressure on us, what is it that actually comes out? You know, in the Bible, in Revelations, it talks about um, the fact that God purifies gold, and that's how he wants to purify our hearts. You know, I've read that when they purify gold, they'll heat it up so hot and put it in a solution that every alloy or, or thing that isn't pure will just rise to the surface so the person who's purifying the gold can just scoop it out and take it away. You know, I believe that's what happens to us when we get put under pressure all of a sudden, like, maybe a little bit of bitterness comes up. Maybe a little bit of complaining comes up. Maybe a victim mentality comes up. And God isn't allowing those things to come to a surface to embarrass us, but He's actually allowing those things to come to the surface so we can scoop them up with the power of the Holy Spirit and actually leave them to the side. And so this morning, I want to ask you what comes out when you're put under pressure. You know, I thank God for the times that I'm put under pressure because it exposes the things in me that need to be corrected, challenged, and changed. I thank God for the times where, you know, the, 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 the pressure has made me panic or protest because, you know, it shows me that maybe I need to grow in trusting God and leaning on His Word even when it doesn't make sense. You know, it, doesn't, it, it definitely isn't comfortable, but I thank God that He loves me too much and loves us too much that He won't leave issues unaddressed. God will always put us under that pressure because he wants us to go from glory to glory. He wants us to become more like Jesus. And he wants us to deal with those issues in our lives. And so back to the Israelites. You know, they're they're here now, they're trapped. They've been moving further and further away from the promised land. They're confused, they're angry, they're grumbling. They're speaking out against Moses' leadership. They're speaking out against his leadership decisions. There's You know, it's a toxic culture that's going on. You know, if they are a footy team, they'd be losing every game and the media would be going hard, It'd be like Richmond. There'd be a toxic culture going on. <laughs> Got to bring the balance this morning. Anyway, we'll see the Crows win this afternoon. Um, but there was a bad culture going on. And, and, and people are confused, people are panicked, people are fearful, they don't know what to do. And then Moses comes out with this famous, amazing reply that we all know and quote and put in our fridge. And it says this, we'll read it again in verse 13 and 14. It says that Moses said, Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you, just stay calm. See, I love Moses as a leader, because if if I was a leader and people were saying things against my leadership, I think my response would be quite defensive, I think maybe my response would come out of a little bit of bitterness or a little bit of oh I'll try and fight back or I would say you guys are the worst followers ever. You know, I would I would start to complain about how bad they are. But Moses instead of responding out of bitterness or defensiveness, actually points people back towards God and encourages them to remember the word of God. He's encouraging because Moses remembers that God told them this would happen. God told them that he was going to display his glory through this situation, and so Moses, instead of being fearful himself, responds with this great statement of faith this great statement of hope, and this great, amazing statement just of trusting in God. You know what I love about these verses is that what Moses did is he put pressure back on the Pathmaker. You know, Moses was there, and I can imagine his own prayers. He would be saying, God, we're in a pretty bad situation right now, but all I've done is followed your presence. All I've done is obeyed your word. All I've done is led these people where you told me to go, and God, you brought me to it, so God, I believe that you're going to bring me through it. And sometimes in life when we, you know, just like the Bible, we need to read it in context. Sometimes we need to look at our lives in context, right? Because we have situations that are confusing and hard and we get afraid. But we say, God, I look at my life in context. I've followed you. I've served you. I love you. I worship you. I, I, I am in relationship with you. And I know that you've promised to bring me through. I know that you've promised to bring me from glory to glory. I know that you've promised to give me power. I know that you've promised to give me breakthrough. And so God, even though I don't understand it right now, the pressure's not on me, the pressure's on you, because God, you're the pathmaker. God, you're the one who's led us here, and if you led me to it, you don't lead me to it so I can just stop and crumble and fall apart, but you lead me to it to actually display your glory. You know, what I found is that God will often take us to an impossible, the impossible territory, because that's actual miracle territory. You know, if, if, if they could have just fought the fight themselves, then the story would have just been about the Israelites are good at war. But what was happening is God was setting them up so that he could actually display how powerful he was by giving them an irrefutable, undeniable miracle. And so, you know, this morning, when things don't make sense to us, we need to put that pressure back on the path maker. You know, God's big enough to handle it. God's big enough to handle the prayers of God. I don't understand this. I don't understand why I lost my job, but God, you promised to bless me. So I'm excited to see what you do here, God, because the pressure's not on me. You know, God, I I know that you promised that my family would be together in church and now my kids are doing crazy things. God, I know that's hard, but the pressure's not on me. The pressure's on you. I can't wait to see how you bring this miracle about. God, this, you know, this situation looks impossible to me now. This health situation looks impossible, but God, I know that means that I'm in miracle territory. I can't wait to give you the glory when you fully heal me. That's, you know, that's the attitude we need to have. We've got to put the pressure back on the pathmaker. And so this morning, you know, Moses' reply was great. And like I said before, we quote it, we read about it, we make it our status, we encourage people with it, we send it to people when they're going through a hard time. But could I suggest to you this morning that Moses, what he said, the instructions he gave weren't actually 100% correct. And how do I know that? It's not because I had a mountaintop experience with God and he whispered it in my ear. It's simply because I read the next verse. Because this is what verse 15 says. You've got to remember Moses said, stand still and watch the Lord fight for you. And then it goes on to verse 15, and it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea, divide the water, so that Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Says that the God said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. You know, I find this verse amazing because it's not often that we read this. In fact, in my NLT Bible, there's like a little subheading in between 14 and 15, almost to separate the stories. But I think this is amazing because I think this is actually where the miracle takes place. The people stopped, they panicked, they prayed to God. But as soon as Moses inclined his ear to God, God said, Why are you crying out to me? This is always part of my plan. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. And this morning, this is really where my message comes down to is I'm here to encourage you that even though it might seem helpless, even though you might feel discouraged, even though it might not make sense to you, can I encourage you this morning, you are only a couple of steps away from a great miracle. If you, find yourself, if you find yourself in impossible territory, you are only a couple of meters away from a miracle, you just have to keep moving. You know, so often the enemy will try and discourage us, he will try to paralyze us, he will try to stop us from moving forward and, and he, wants to, he wants to keep us in a, in a pressurized environment where things don't make sense. But God says the miracle is just around the corner. Just keep moving. And this morning, I want to encourage you as a church, you know, we've got to move for the miracle. Like I said before, God doesn't lead us to a place of pressure so we can crumble, but He moves us to a place where miracles can happen so He can get all the glory. You know, we can absolutely have moments where we're still and we stop and say, God, what are you doing? But we're not meant to stay there, we're meant to keep moving. And so this morning, you know, I I know that there are things that everyone's believing for in their own lives. There are are miracles, breakthroughs, you know, great healings, financial provision. There's all things that we're believing for this morning. There's there's things in our life that seem impossible. I know there's things that as a church we're believing for. I, I know that there's things that we're believing for for this city, for this town, for the regions around Port Lincoln, for the Air Peninsula. I know there's things that we're believing for. There's miracles we're believing for. And this morning, I just believe that God would encourage you just to keep moving. Or for some of you, get moving again and this morning I just want to encourage you it's time to get moving this morning you know there's, there's a few people if you're honest with yourself you would say you know what I've, I've maybe allowed discouragement to stop me I've maybe allowed offense to stop me I've maybe allowed confusion to stop me maybe hurt has stopped me maybe doubt has stopped me but I want to encourage you this morning and declare prophetically over this church that it's time to move again it's time to dream again it's time to trust again It's time to take God-led risks again. And it's time to believe for the impossible again. It's time that we move for the miracle again. It's time that we move for the miracle again. You know, I believe this church is coming into a great season, like I said before, of amazing testimonies of amazing miracles where we just see people restored or we see people just encounter the love of Jesus. They might not understand it, but they experience it and they can't explain that they need to keep coming back. I believe this church is coming into a time where the influence in the community has going to increase because of what's happening in this room. But it's going to take us to move. It's going to take us to move in our mindsets with some weird people coming to church. It's going to take us to move in our in our own hospitality when we invite people into our homes and counsel them and, and teach them in the ways of God, even when they hurt us and abuse us and take advantage of us. It's time for us to move and just trust that God, as we run for you, you're going to do miracles. And I want to encourage you this morning. We can't stay in a place of discouragement. We, you know, the enemy wants to cripple us, but this morning we've got to keep moving forward even though it doesn't make sense. Even though we feel like we're trapped and it feels like we're walking towards an ocean, we've just got to trust that as we keep moving, God's going to do a miracle. And so in a couple of minutes, we're going to sing that song, Promises, again, because it's perfect for this morning's message. Before that, I just want to pray for one group of people, and that is if if you're here this morning and um, you're not in a relationship with Jesus, you've never accepted Him into your life, or maybe you did a long time ago, but you know since then you've kind of fell apart, and this morning you just want to come back into a relationship with Jesus, and this morning I would love to give you the opportunity to do that. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. And so what we do in this church and churches like this is we just ask you in a moment of privacy, we're just going to ask you to sit up your hand just to say, you know what, I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. And then we'll all say a prayer together and that's us confessing with our mouth that we believe that He's Lord. The Bible says simply in that moment you come into relationship with Jesus. You become into relationship with the Pathmaker and the Pathmaker. You get into a relationship with a promise maker and you don't have to do life alone trying to work out your own plans, but you can actually lean into the promises of God. You can lean into the plans of God and you can trust Him that He's actually got your best at heart and He's going to take you from glory to glory. So right now, if I could just ask everyone in the room just to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and um, you would just love to give your life to Jesus or maybe you would just like to give your life to Jesus again and rededicate your life, then this morning, as I count to three, just myself and a couple of people that are uh, helping this morning looking around but if that's you this morning I just ask you to raise your hand just so I know who I'm praying for and then we're going to pray together so if that's you on the count of three you can raise your hand one two three awesome thank you so thank you this thank you Jesus once I've seen your hand you can put it back down Just one more time, I'm just gonna look around. If, if that's you this morning, if you want to come into relationship with Jesus, just put your hand up and then we're gonna pray in a second. Awesome, thank you, Jesus. Well, let's just let's just pray together. If you guys could repeat after me, that would be awesome. Dear God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. God, I'm sorry all the times I've fallen short, for all the times I've missed the mark, but God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that it covers me, and I thank you that from this day forward, I step into relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Can we, can we just give a hands to that?